Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy V. Wilson. Uh, Tracy, have you ever heard someone thinking they were a comedian, get on a PA like at a store and say, Judge Crater, call your office. It rings a bell. Yeah, I I have vague recollections of it, but it seems like uh, weird things when I was very young or faux memory. Mm -hmm. But uh, people who have heard that or didn't know that was a thing, it was a thing people would do. Uh, Comedians would also use that line. And it's actually a joke that's housed in a historical reference. Yeah, I think I thought it was from television. No. Like that it had something to do with Mrs. Wiggins or something. No. Uh, So the vanishing of Judge Joseph Force Crater is one of our most requested topics. Uh, Lots of people want to hear about it. And it's considered one of the largest missing person cases in the U.S., uh, in history, and it was uh, one of the biggest news stories of the 1930s, probably second only to the Lindbergh baby, which happened a couple years later. And it's actually fueled decades of speculations about what exactly happened to this New York State Supreme Court justice, because there are a million question marks. And as we'll talk about a little bit more later, and as we've talked about in many other episodes, uh, a lot of contradicting accounts of what actually happened. Right. So we'll do a very brief kind of biographical where he started. But really, we're going to focus on his career in this vanishing. Yeah. So he was born in Pennsylvania on the 5th of January, 1889. His parents were Frank Ellsworth Crater and Layla Virginia Montague, and he was named for his grandfather. 
And he worked his way through Lafayette College and Columbia Law School. He took clerk jobs uh, and, you know, kind of tried to work in law offices as he was working on his education. And from day one, he seemed to always cultivate professional and political connections. Uh, and he eventually opened his own law office at 120 Broadway. And that was in what was, I believe at the time... Uh, one of the largest office buildings in the country, and it was a little bit prestigious. In 1916, he represented Stella Wheeler in a divorce. And later, the they got married in 1917, and that was a week after Wheeler's divorce was finalized. Yeah, she kind of found love at the law office. She married her divorce lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, early on in his career... Crater joined the Cayuga Democratic Club, which was the seat of uh, another group you may have heard of, which is the Tammany Society. Sometimes it's also called Tammany Hall, uh, which was a New York political organization that had actually originated in the late 1700s. And as time went on, it came to be associated with corrupt voting practices, bribery and other political corruption. Uh, the phrase vote early and vote often was heavily associated with the Tammany Society, particularly in the late 1800s, although I don't believe that is where it originated. Uh, but the group continued to be linked to corruption well into the 1900s. So Crater was kind of joining in with this group of people that had some kind of seedy connections. Uh, there's even a Dr. Seuss political cartoon from 1941 featuring the phrase vote early and vote often and a cat wearing a Tammany sweater. So widely recognized as uh, a little bit dicey political arena there. Yeah. So in 1920, state Supreme Court Justice Robert F. Wagner Sr. appointed Crater as his secretary. And at this point, Crater was also teaching law at Fordham and NYU as an adjunct professor. Yeah, so he was getting in with, you know, kind of the heavy hitters in the justice system at this point. And he, you know, had various political appointments that came his way and opportunities that came his way. And they were, you know, believed to be uh, favor-based or possibly bribe-based in many accounts. But the one interesting kind of counter to that is that even though people don't necessarily contradict that being the case, that they they weren't always gotten through the most noble means, uh, he was viewed as really quite a good lawyer and, in fact, an excellent professor by many people. Uh, and even though he was doing all of these uh, kind of favor appointments and, you know, possibly corruptly gained positions, he was still making most of his income from actually practicing law. But his business was booming because he had all of these political connections. So there's kind of almost a... Um, there's a lot of interplay. Yeah, there's a lot. It's like a layers of an onion, but all the layers interconnect sort of Tesseract style. Like they're all kind of feeding each other from different angles. On April 8th, 1930, Franklin D. Roosevelt, who at that point was the governor appointed Crater to a vacancy on the state Supreme Court. So there's already rumors going on that he actually bought his way into the position by paying off the Tammany bosses. There are stories that indicate that he had withdrawn $20,000 from his bank just before the appointment. It's not completely confirmed. But if so, that would support the rumor that there was a big payoff going on. Yeah, and that was a, a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money for somebody now, but... It was even more a lot of money. To just go pull out twenty thousand dollars. Yes. Is a lot. So we're gonna jump right to his disappearance. Because it happened very shortly after 
he was appointed to the state Supreme Court. So on August 3rd of 1930, uh, Judge Crater was on vacation in Maine with his wife, Stella, uh, in there. They had a vacation house there. And he abruptly left to return to New York City. And he had done this previously a couple of weeks or a week before and then came back. And so, again, he was kind of leaving abruptly. And he had promised her that he would return within the week so that they could finish out their vacation together. On the morning of August 6, 1930, Joe Crater went through his office in the state Supreme Court chambers and he destroyed all kinds of documents and then also packed up other stuff into folders and briefcases. And he moved a lot of documents into his Fifth Avenue apartment. And he also directed his clerk to withdraw $5,000 from his bank. Uh, and he arranged for a ticket to that evening's Broadway performance of Dancing Partners, which was a show that had opened just the day before. That evening... Crater left Billy Haas's chop house on West 45th Street after having dinner with a showgirl named Sally Lou Ritz and his friend and fellow lawyer, William Klein. He headed off, allegedly going to the theater. And the theater ticket that he had booked earlier in the day was used, though witnesses said it was most definitely not Judge Crater who actually used it. And then he was never seen again. It was just four months after his appointment to the state Supreme Court, and he had just vanished. Yeah, completely into thin air. And then before we get to the investigation and kind of what has grown out of this vanishing, do you want to take a moment and talk about a new sponsor? Yes! I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com where travels come true. 
Say goodbye to complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping and say hello to an advantage with USPS Ground Advantage Shipping from the United States Postal Service. Every business faces challenges, but shipping shouldn't be one of them. So keep things simple with clear, upfront pricing. And no unexpected surcharges for Saturday deliveries, residential deliveries, or fuel. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there, helping you counter the rising costs of doing business with a budget-friendly alternative. And keep things reliable with on-time ground shipping, ensuring your shipments get to where they need to go while maintaining your hard-earned reputation. USPS Ground Advantage is your ticket to easy, cost-effective, and dependable shipping. It's the complete delivery service your business needs to rise above the competition. There's never been a better time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple. Affordable. Reliable. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. So it will sound completely odd initially, and it is odd, but there's some sort of explanations for it. But Crater wasn't actually reported missing for almost a month. His wife, who he had left in Maine, thought he was in the city, and she didn't really grow concerned until uh, the 16th, which point at which point it had been about 10 days since she had seen him and she hadn't been able to contact him. And some of his friends and associates in the city initially thought he was still in Maine with his wife. So they weren't thinking there was anything amiss. But then uh, it became apparent that he was MIA when he didn't show up for court when court was back in session. Uh, and initially, his friends that had already realized that he wasn't immediately available, they kind of started to investigate themselves. And they chose not to tell his wife because they didn't want to alarm her. Yeah. This seems bizarre to like a really modern ear because now cell phones are ubiquitous. Yeah. But landline phones were not ubiquitous at this point. Like, yeah. So you would go days and days without hearing from someone. Yeah. There were many, many households that didn't even have phones in them. So it's not completely unheard of that a person would be used to not hearing from their partner for that long. The very thought is terrifying to me. Uh, Yeah, I I don't get a text from my husband by a certain point in the day and I start freaking out like something bad has happened. Uh, And it uh, wasn't until August 25th that a formal investigation began. Uh, So at that point, it had been about 20 days. And even then, it didn't really hit the newspapers and become public knowledge until September 3rd. And at that point, the news was broken that Judge Crater was officially missing. So... The official investigation started, and once that was made public, all kinds of less-than-noble things, a lot of which had been rumored for a really long time, came to light. He was involved in brokering deals to buy and sell judgeships, 
and he definitely had a taste for dalliances with showgirls. Although a lot of people characterize his marriage to Stella as being very devoted. So, yeah, hmm. and I I never know how much of that is um people kind of trying to paint a nice picture of this guy that they knew and they were friends with or how much of it really is that he seemed to have, you know, both a very steadfast devotion to his wife and a tendency to have affairs on the side. Right. Which I suppose is possible. Yeah, I would say that's possible. Uh, especially for someone in a position of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he would certainly have available to him a lot of options. It was in, in a, of... a temptation-rich environment, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> uh, there was also a news story that ran briefly in September of 1930, so just a little while after Judge Crater vanished, that Sally Lou Ritz, who, remember, was the showgirl that he had dinner with the night he vanished, had also disappeared. Uh, and this caused people to immediately speculate that she had been killed by someone to keep her quiet. But apparently uh, that report was published in haste because while reporters couldn't locate her for a day or two, it soon turned out that she was, in fact, in her parents' home in Ohio, perfectly safe, and she was interviewed there. So initially there was an even seedier thing that people thought was coming to light, and then it turned out to be nothing. But on a similar story... June Bryce, who was rumored to be his favorite showgirl, did vanish in late 1930, but she resurfaced later in an insane asylum, and that's where she lived for the rest of her life. In early 1931, so still just a few months after Judge Crater had vanished, his wife Stella allegedly found a two-inch thick envelope in a bureau in the couple's Fifth Avenue apartment. And this envelope contained insurance policies and $6,000 in cash, as well as a letter that was written by Joe Crater, which listed out people who owed him money uh, and it in, was very insistent that this information was confidential. And presumably, uh, according to many people's assessment of the situation, he had left this information for Stella so that she could collect on these debts to support herself and maintain her lifestyle. And this raised all kinds of other questions, like how did the police miss this envelope during their searches of the apartment uh, when they were investigating? Right. Like during a missing person investigation, you do a pretty thorough combing of their personal effects. One would think that they looked in the bureau. But apparently not. So it could have been overlooked. But the other thing that rang very oddly to Crater's friends uh, about this discovery of this envelope was that they insisted that the judge always carried his insurance policies and his other important documents on his person. Uh, so if he had been snatched, theoretically, which sounds completely bizarre to me, but... <laughs> I'm laughing um, at that. That's why you're saying that, because um, I'm laughing at this idea. Yeah, just I can't imagine carrying important documents with me everywhere. I'm like, that's not safe at all. I'm just going to oh. have my birth certificate on my person at right. all times. So they're... Uh, you know, assertion is that if he had truly been, you know, kidnapped or plucked from his normal goings on, he would have had those documents with him and not tucked carefully in an envelope left for his wife. And so this fact, as well as the discovery of several other small personal effects in the Fifth Avenue apartment that Crater was known to carry on his person at all times, uh, and they were just sitting in the apartment. So this fed the theory that Judge Crater had, in fact, chosen to vanish rather than having been the victim of a crime. So his wife had this ongoing struggle to collect on the insurance policies. And as a result of that, in 1939, Joseph Crater was legally declared dead. In 1979, the missing persons case was officially closed. Yeah, it's, uh, without him being declared dead, 
life insurance policies would not pay out. Right. Because he could just show up again and it could all have been a scam. I feel like that's a soap opera plot. (laughs) Well, it kind of was. There was a whole other trial that went on with Stella uh, that really dragged on and it sounds just miserable. Uh, So an interesting point in terms of how Stella handled things after the disappearance and long after she had settled these life insurance issues, is that for more than three decades, so every anniversary of her husband's disappearance, Stella Crater would walk into a bar in Greenwich Village uh, and she would order two drinks and she would toast, good luck, Joe, wherever you are. And she would drink one of the drinks and she would leave the other drink untouched and then leave. Which in a way sounds very sort of wistful and sad and romantic. Yeah, it makes me feel a little teary. But then the part of me that wonders if she long suspected or even knew that he had arranged his own banishing... If it's not kind of a like, wherever you are, jerk, I'm drinking in your honor. Uh, But that might just be my cynical side (laughs) coming out. So we have lots of theories about what happened and reported sightings. Yeah. Which is what happens with missing persons. Yeah. Uh, So there are so-called craterists, and these are unsolved mystery enthusiasts who study all these pieces of this puzzle to try to come up with the most logical explanation for what happened. And they've come up with a lot of explanations throughout the years, and even people who don't identify as part of that group. Yeah. Uh, some of the theories have included that he uh, was a victim of a hit because of a mob connection and some sort of deal gone wrong. Ran off with a showgirl. Yeah, since it it was at this point, you know, once he disappeared, it became very public knowledge that, in fact, he had had a lot of affairs with showgirls. Right. So perhaps he R-U-N-N-O-F-T. Right. <laughs> uh, the other one, this one I kind of find hilarious, and uh, I don't know why. Because it's very silly is why. It's far-fetched. There are some that assert that he somehow became amnesic. Like, he had amnesia and couldn't remember who he was or what he was doing. Because soap opera. Because soap opera, which so much of the actual story is very soapish. You can yeah. see where people might land there. There's also the theory that he committed suicide. Yeah. Uh, there is also a theory that he was maybe killed by a blackmailer for not paying them off. Uh, there's also a theory that he landed at Polly Adler's brothel. So allegedly, according to these early drafts of a memoir that uh, Adler wrote much later, she wrote that Crater died in her bordello. And they, she had had his body removed by friends. Um, we don't really have these alleged drafts, though. Right. Uh, we're kind of taking someone's word for it that they, oh, I've seen these drafts. But I cannot show you them. But now they're gone and destroyed. Uh, so we don't know. Uh, that's another, that's another kind of soap opera-ish one that people like to talk about, that he died in the arms of a prostitute and then there was a big cover-up. Uh, and for decades... The New York Police Department received letters and phone calls from people all over the U.S. and the world claiming to have seen Judge Crater. And particularly as important anniversaries of the disappearance would you know, uh, be coming up or just pass. So like at the 20 year mark, they got a ton of these calls. At the 30 year mark, they got a ton of these calls. And he's been reported as being seen everywhere from walking down Park Avenue on jets to other countries prospecting in California, herding sheep in the Pacific Northwest. I guess someone thought maybe he had a a yen for a simpler life. Uh, In a mental hospital in Missouri, playing dice in Atlanta, running small-time casino games in North Africa, 
uh, just hanging out in Havana, in the South Pacific, in Shanghai, basically anywhere and everywhere on the planet doing any possible thing you could be doing. He has been reported as having been witnessed doing and being that thing in that place. Yeah, he's like a judicial Elvis. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking when I was reading all of these weird accounts that people have reported through the years. Yeah. So there have even been some staged hoaxes. There was one in the 1970s where police were called to a bar on New York's east side and they found a man dressed as Crater as he had appeared when he vanished in 1930. And they had lots of video cameras. Yeah, and the the person that was playing Crater in this staged hoax also looked like Crater would have looked in the 1930s, so it was clearly not the same person. When we get into the time traveler theory. Yeah, <laughs> he was a doctor. Um, uh, so before we get to another development that happened in the 2000s... A much more recent thing, yeah. We will pause for just a moment for a word from our sponsor. Yes. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business, and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Say goodbye to complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping, and say hello to an advantage with USPS Ground Advantage Shipping from the United States Postal Service. Every business faces challenges, but shipping shouldn't be one of them. So keep things simple with clear, upfront pricing. And no unexpected surcharges for Saturday deliveries, residential deliveries, or fuel. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there, helping you counter the rising costs of doing business with a budget-friendly alternative. 
and keep things reliable with on-time ground shipping, ensuring your shipments get to where they need to go while maintaining your hard-earned reputation. USPS Ground Advantage is your ticket to easy, cost-effective, and dependable shipping. It's the complete delivery service your business needs to rise above the competition. There's never been a better time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. So now we get to a very interesting letter. Right. In April 2005... Stella Ferrucci Good of Belrose, New York, died at the age of 91. And this would have been a completely unremarkable circumstance, but she left behind a letter that reignited the Judge Crater case. And in an envelope that uh, she had left behind that said, Do not open until my death, uh, Ferrucci Good left a note that claimed that her late husband had learned the actual truth about what had happened to Crater and who had murdered him. According to this note, a New York Police Department policeman named Charles Burns and Burns' taxi driver brother, Frank, conspired with other people to kill the judge and bury his remains under the boardwalk in Coney Island near West 8th Street. And one interesting point of note, uh, and this comes up a lot, particularly as we're looking through some of this uh, information that was revealed in the note is that various media reports of the contents of this note, even though this is a fairly modern event, uh, as well as other aspects of the crater disappearance that have been reported through the years, have been consistently inconsistent. Uh, in some stories about the Ferrucci Good note, uh, it's reported that her husband was actually involved in the murder. And in other reportings of this note, they say that her husband was simply told about it by Charles Burns while they were having drinks in a bar. So Frank Burns allegedly picked Crater up in his cab from the chop house that we referenced earlier on West 45th Street, then stopped a few blocks later, and two more men got into the cab. The car then headed to Coney Island, where they were joined by two more men, and that's when the judge, according to this letter, was killed and buried. And... This is where we need to point out another inconsistency in the various accounts of the last time that Judge Crater was seen. If you look through any of the various, uh, you know, books about it, and there have been many uh, newspaper accounts, etc., some report that witnesses saw him getting into a cab, which at least sort of connects to the idea that Frank Burns could have picked him up in a cab. But others insist that there is no such witness testimony that he walked away from the chop house and did not get into a cab. So that's another kind of 
pebble to turn over in your mind on this about how inconsistent everything is. Yeah. Although we've talked about lots of different motives that people could have for wanting to kill a judge who was involved in nefarious activities. There was no motive mentioned in the note. Uh, there was, for fact checkers, a Charles Burns that was on the police force from 1926 to 1946. Uh, and he was assigned to the 60th precinct, which is in Coney Island. So there is some substantiation of some of the information in this note, but then other things are a lot murkier. Right. There are some reports that indicate that in the 50s, when the New York Aquarium was being built, remains were found under the boardwalk. Other sources say that there is no such evidence and that this is just a rumor. And since there hasn't been any kind of big announcement that Crater's remains were found, either way, the case remains unsolved. Uh, If there had been a body unearthed in the 50s, you would think that the first person that most people would think of would have been that it was the famous missing judge. Yeah, that's another one that news outlets will say, like, there were uh, there was a body found in the 50s. We've called the police for confirmation and others will say there are rumors that there was a body found there in the 50s, but we've called the police and they firmly deny this. So it's kind of interesting and a little bit confusing. In the words of Simon Rifkind, who was a lawyer who worked with Joe Crater and I think to some degree viewed him as a mentor, and Rifkind actually signed the form that formally opened the investigation into the disappearance, uh, he described him as saying, quote, Judge Crater was a man of such commanding appearance, he couldn't possibly get lost in a crowd. And Rifkind is not alone in that sort of description. This was a man who was very dapper. He was always well-dressed. Many people would have called him handsome. Uh you know, a tall commanding presence, not someone who could just vanish. One of the problems that's ongoing in this whole mystery is that there's all kinds of obfuscation and spin that's been put on the case through the years as many, many, many authors and different people who have a little part in the mystery have published their own accounts of the disappearance. So as with any event, eyewitness accounts also contradict each other. And there's uh, also the possibility that people are purposefully bending the truth. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, no, no, my account is the correct account. I am writing the new version of what really happened, and it's supported by these things. But there's always something different. So what really happened to Judge Crater in 1930, I would say at this point it's a safe bet we will never actually know. For all we know, he lived out his life somewhere very happily elsewhere. Or he's been at the bottom of a body of water for a long time or any number of other things. We right. just don't know. So, yes, that's the Judge Crater disappearance. It kind of leaves more questions than answers, unfortunately. But yeah. Sometimes when so many people really want us to talk about something, we get pretty invested in wanting to deliver on that, even though we don't wind up at a satisfactory yeah. Mystery solving conclusion. Yeah, there isn't any. I think a lot of people that were very into the case were probably so excited in 2005 when that letter appeared uh, and possibly solved it. But it really didn't, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, do you have some yeah. listener mail? I do. Does it go along with this episode? It doesn't really go along with this episode. That's But fine. it's a fun listener mail. And it is from our listener, John. He says, hello, ladies. I write to you from Australia, where I have just listened to your podcast on Zenobia. What first attracted my interest is that my grandmother, who lives in the city of Perth on the West Coast, lives near a Zenobia Street, 
This was the only other time I had heard the name before, so naturally I thought there might be a connection. You can imagine my growing excitement as I learned that not only was it the same Zenobia, but this was confirmed by the fact that all surrounding streets were other historical figures from her era, Aurelian, Solomon, and Cleopatra. The icing on the cake was to learn that the ancient colony she ruled over is also the name of the suburb where these streets are found, Palmyra. After many decades of walking these streets in this suburb, I had no idea of any of their significance or historical connection until now. I've already passed on Zenobia's story to most of my family members. Not only was this stuff we missed in history class, but stuff we certainly missed on our GPS as well. I love that. Me too. It's so fun. Uh, if you would like to write us about discovering that streets near you have historical names uh, or anything else or this <laughs> if episode, you know, if you know where Judge Crater is, give right? us a yell. You can do that at historypodcast@discovery.com. Uh, you can also connect with us in many other ways. Uh, you can connect with us at facebook.com slash history. We're still on Twitter at History. We're available at mistinhistory.tumblr.com and we have a whole new Pinterest at pinterest.com slash history. With many, many boards that have many, many different uh, categories of historical things to look at. Yeah. Previously, we had one board on the How Stuff Works page. Now we have many boards. A herd of boards. So many boards. Uh, if you would like to learn something sort of related to our podcast today, you can go to our website and type in the words missing person. And one of the articles you will get is how to volunteer for missing persons. So you too could become part of a group that helps investigate and search for clues. If you would like to learn more about that or almost anything else you can think of, you can do that at our website, which is HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. This episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class is brought to you by Lynda.com. You can learn it at Lynda.com, an online learning company with more than 77,000 video tutorials that teach software, creative, and business skills. Membership starts at $25 a month and provides unlimited 24-7 access to top-quality video courses taught by expert instructors with real-world experience. Listeners of Stuff You Missed in History Class can try Lynda.com free for seven days by visiting Lynda.com slash history stuff. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride 
the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.